This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Good morning. Welcome to Inside High School Sports. I'm your host, Tony Kellagiri, along with Markwell Slaughter, Roger Weiss, Joe Marguccio, and Dick Gallagher in studio. We're here to start our football preview for 2016. Good morning, gentlemen. Good morning. Good morning, Good morning Anthony. Oh, he's nice and sunshine today. <laughs> I am feeling very Olympic this morning. Go, Emily Reagan, as we speak. I think she might be rowing for the gold. All right, go USA. Uh, so, Olympics going on. The Bills uh, getting ready to play tonight. Of course, WGR will have uh, info and programming all day. Nate, what time does uh, pregame start? Pregame starts at Five. Sale Capaccio's on from five to seven and right into kickoff, and then it's uh, Murph and Kelso and Sale, I believe, uh, will be headed out to the sidelines. I would assume that's his, that's his usual duties. So Awesome. I can't wait. I'm excited. It's football season. I'm in my uh I'm in my uh my, my zone, let's say. Uh we'll leave it like that. Yeah. That's it's it. Christmas. It is. It's like Christmas <laughs> for us. No comment. No <laughs> But it also means that summer's coming to an end and that's the depressing part of it. Bingo. And summer's like the only season that I don't get sick of. You know, it's like, you know, winter you're you're cool with it maybe for the first month and then after oh come on, man, get it over with. I want to get to spring and spring you're like, All right, I've had enough of rain, let me get to the summer and especially if this rain we have now ever stops my god is it ever gonna stop no <laughs> i'm hoping and hopefully we're done for the day as far as rain goes i want to sit out in the patio and uh enjoy myself uh, last week i mentioned that uh that i was thinking all right i'm gonna have to leave early on the 20th because next game uh would start at 11 o'clock but they moved the game to sunday so i'm clear so the troopers, you don't have to watch out for me speeding down uh, the throughway headed towards Grand Island. I'm in the clear. Game will be Sunday at 11 o'clock at Grand Island on Bedell Road, I believe. And I'm really excited about this. We've been having uh, some great practices, great group of kids, and I'm a great group of coaches. I'm really excited about this. And here's the neat part. Dick, you and I were talking about this before the show, is when, you, when, you know, when you're coaching and all of a sudden you start to see the players implementing the techniques that you've been teaching them and it's working for them, that's a neat feeling. Well, that's what teaching's all about, regardless of whether it's coaching or teaching math or teaching kindergarten. It's about progressive learning, repetitions, and just becoming the best person you can be and and uh, as smart as possible. <laughs> it's a lot of fun. The kids are out there having a blast. You know, they're dealing with some extreme heat out there, you know, and I give them a lot of credit out there in full equipment, uh, you know, sweating their butts off, but also, you know, taking in a lot of fluids, so do plenty of water breaks. But uh, they're working hard, and they're learning, and that's that's just neat. And for 8-, 9-, and 10-year-olds, that's exceptional. It is. It really is, because you look at, you know, uh, how long can they focus for and things like that, and they want to learn. So uh, I'm excited, just happy to be back on the sidelines doing this again and doing what I love. All right, guys, uh, any news and notes from uh, Roger or Marquell? Yeah, um, I think you'll probably get to the girls. 
um, BCAMY, how they did in the tournament. Um, I know the boys, at least, made it to the final but lost. Um, they had a pretty good weekend last week. Uh, I believe Greg Dolan led the boys in scoring, and Dominique Welch had a double-double in the final. Um, I think he had 29 points and like 12 boards in the semifinal before that. So, shouts out to Chief Duaga. Um, and St. Mary's Girls Soccer has a new coach. Her name is Brittany Heist. She's a 07 grad from Lancaster. Um, that's around my era. I got her by a year, though, way back. Way back <laughs> when. So, shouts out to her. Um, I believe she plays semi, semi-pro somewhere, I think in Rochester. So, congrats to her. And I was not able to make it. I was out of town on a business trip. But Hamburg held the underclassmen softball showcase on Wednesday. Um, I know there's a lot of people. Did you? Were you able to make it, Roger? You can probably tell more than I tell the people more than I can. But I heard it was a pretty good turnout. Uh, quickly, the uh, girls basketball down there, they finished with one win and three losses. They were out of the uh, opportunity for the semifinals. And because of the three-way tiebreaker, uh, just like a year ago, they were on the outside looking in, so they didn't even get to play the uh, uh, fifth game on Sunday. Uh, just a depleted roster between the five seniors that graduated and three of the returnees last year, for one reason or the other, were unable to attend. They weren't just, you know, anywhere near the uh, talent that they had a year ago. Uh, scoring pretty much balanced over four games, different person every time. Uh, the softball tournament went real well. The team with uh, ECIC won, and they were supported by the Catholic, uh, excuse me, Cataraugus Chautauqua All-Stars. They were in the final game against the uh, team with uh, Niagara Frontier League and ECIC3, I believe. In the final game there, it was a 2-2 tie, and after seven <laughs> innings, they just called it a tie. They didn't go through any tiebreaker. It was a long day for these girls. A lot of these girls come from work and all that, so mm-hmm. it was a long day. Uh, a couple other things real quick, Anthony. Number one, I want to say uh, happy birthday this coming Wednesday, Benji Blumen. Benjamin Blumen, he is still refereeing. This Wednesday, his age, he turns 22 Celsius. If you, <laughs> if you can figure out the Fahrenheit, the more power do you. But uh, nice write-up in the paper this morning is uh, for his uh, upcoming induction into the Greater Sports Hall of Fame. And also, he's probably not listening today. How rude. I'm going to say, Nate, did you listen to the show? You know what he's going to tell me? No, I was getting married. Boy, there's a lame excuse for not listening. You mean within this technology in this day and age, they can't put on headphones while they're listening to the priest? Well, he could always catch it later on. Go to uh, WGR550.com, audio on demand. The show is usually there, so you can check it out. Congratulations, Annie and Nate. Yes, congratulations. I think the world of both of you guys. Enjoy. Absolutely. All right, guys, let's get into some football talk. We're going to start out with uh, Monsignor Martin. 
And I guess the, the uh, two schools that probably, you could say, made the most news in the offseason would be St. Joe's and Tymon. Uh, St. Joe's with the coaching change and Tymon with their ambitious schedule, uh, taking out some uh, powerhouses out of state. So we're going to get into all of that. Dick Gallagher's here. You can catch his previews on uh, Channel 2's website if you uh, want to check that out. I've been able to go in there and uh, look at uh, – Get a, a, a head start to what Dick is going to say today. Good morning. Good morning. All right, let's get into uh, Monsignor Martin. As I said, the uh, two biggest schools making the schools making the biggest news was uh, Joe's and uh, Time. And let's start with uh, St. Joe's with the coaching uh, change. Unfortunate in the fact that uh, uh, Coach Gilbert has stepped down for health uh, issues. Right after seven or eight years, he had a back surgery, back surgery, and he's still healing now. But Dennis was an outstanding coach. Absolutely. And connected with the Mar- Marauder Nation for 30 years as a player, as, as an assistant. But they hired uh, a, a quality coach in Derek Landry, who was an assistant for St. Joe's last year. He comes with an unbelievable record. He played on DeSalle's team in California that won 150 consecutive games. From that was there, incredible. He, I remember following that. And from there he went to Notre Dame. And then he played in the NFL for six years. So that's a quality hiring, I think, for St. Joe's. And it's going to provide them, I think, with the ability to get some good talent coming into Marauderville. Yeah, how do you not buy into a program when your head coach has NFL experience? You pretty much have no choice but to listen. <laughs> right. And I think that when you take a look at it, uh, you know, Canisius, they're complex. They're coaching their record the last few years. Then if you're looking at St. Francis, their new complex then, then St. Joe's has that complex. I think that the Monsignor Martin have three of the best complexes in athletics and football in uh, the the area. But uh, well, if you think about it, they really have to. You know, they're in a they're in the business of staying staying alive. In order to do that, they have to lure in students and players and. This is a way to entice them. You look at, you know, in today's economy, it's not easy. And when some people are sitting there saying, oh, I wonder if I need to do this or, or that, and maybe this helps them make their decision to go to those schools. Yeah, and I think also when you look at time and what they did with playing three powerhouses, national powerhouses with Buford, Georgia, the first game, Central Catholic in Ohio, the second game in Odessa, Permian, and in Texas in the third game, I think what they're trying to say are two things. One is that if you come to Timon and play, we're going to play a national schedule and you're going to get recognized, which is obvious from what private schools do throughout the country. And the other is I think they've got some quality players, particularly with Joe Harrison and Matt Myers, a quarterback only a junior. Just the ability to play that competition and market them is going to help them. Well, you think about it. You're going to play these storied programs down south and scouts are looking at those games because scouts know that traditionally these schools send uh, Division One talent uh, to colleges, and you know they're four, five star uh, type players. So you're going down there as a player for time, and you're unheard of. And all of a sudden, the scouts there watching, let's say, the quarterback for uh, for Perryman, and you're a defensive end for Timon, and you're showing up on film sacking that quarterback. Well, guess what? Some scouts going to recognize you and want to learn more about you. Maybe they'll watch more of your film and it gets you noticed. Yeah, and I just think that it's a win-win situation. Except when you take a look at years ago, St. Francis 
was playing St. Ignatius in Ohio. They were ranked in the top 15 in USA Today. St. Ignatius got upset by St. Francis. St. Francis came back here one week of tremendous publicity, positive accomplishments, etc. And then the next week, the next game, they played McDowell and lost 40-7. to And so that balloon busted after seven days. And so that when you're looking and you're going back to back to back, three national powers, that's something that they're really rolling the dice on. Yeah, and the downside is is you're going to go in there and you're going to get racked up by these schools. You know, let's you know, let's not kid anybody. They're going to roll time in. Uh, if you're sitting there as a time and fan thinking that you're going to upset one of these schools, more power yeah. to you. But uh, it's probably not going to happen. You're going to take your lumps. Uh, and what do you learn? When you're on the on on the losing side of a lopsided game, what have you learned as a player? What can you take away from that? Lancaster last year went to Central Catholic. They lost sixty-seven to seven. The next week they went to Jamestown, upset Jamestown, and Zimborski had three over three hundred yards rushing and a few touchdowns. What they learned, Lancaster was that they shouldn't have played that team, and they didn't uh, agree to to have Central Catholic play here. This year, because they just were overwhelmed by the talent and the score, etc. But they learned that they learned two things. One was not to play Central Catholic this year. <laughs> two <laughs> was that they did the best they could, and then they rebounded and were able to come back and beat Jamestown. And Jamestown also learned something too. Don't go by what happened to Lancaster a week ago. I just wonder if that loss that uh, Central Catholic put on. Uh, Lancaster Jamestown says, well, we got this one's in the bag and all that, and whoops. Now, Joe, you had some information on uh, Timon's opponents, didn't you? Yes. You've been doing some research on them. Yeah, some real quick facts. Uh, the Buford School is a school size of 1,300. It's, you know, it's big, but not huge. Uh, they got uh, four D1 players, linebacker going to Georgia Tech, Oops. linebacker going to Wake Forest, DB going to Duke, and a running back that's only a junior considering NC State. Um, and they actually scrimmaged last night and started school. Uh, yeah, they get an early August early start on uh, some of the out west and down south. And then you got Central Catholic. It's a co-ed school of only 700. That's small. Yeah. Um, a C they, school. They got, they got a running back <laughs> with several Big Ten uh, commitments or uh, offers. offers. And all Mac schools interested in the kid. And a DB transfer, he has to sit out five games but will be a D1 player. Um, they actually have a radio app, but I can't say a radio station. Uh, they did beat Lancaster last year. Um, St. Francis actually plays them the week before Timon plays them. So we'll let's get some we'll, film we'll on Yeah, We'll get a measure on that one. And then finally, Permian, their <laughs> school size, guys, is 3,700. <laughs> they made it their homecoming. <laughs> Bigger than my college. Uh, Is that just grades 9 through 12 when you say 3,700? Yeah, they have two JV teams and two freshman teams. And can you imagine how many players they cut? It's, you know, you think about it when you, if you watch Friday Night Lights about, uh, about that program. That's a different culture down there. That's a whole new attitude. They eat, drink, and sleep football in Texas. It's, it's, it's amazing because when you, uh, we might get a couple of thousand and we think that's good at a game in Western New York. 
they get eighteen, twenty-five, forty thousand at games. They sell every season week. tickets. They, season they, sell tickets season and they sell them out. You have stadiums in Texas that blow away most colleges. Yeah. I mean, it's incredible. Well, they do. They do things right in Texas and the South. They do things J- big. JVs on Thursday, high school Friday, college Saturday, and professional Saturday. And there's no Sunday. I mean Sunday. There's no uh, college that's no going to come in and play on a Friday night. It's, in the in the south, it's sac- that, it's sacrilegious to play high school on Saturday. But Syracuse a couple of years ago, they had a Friday night game that took a lot of kids, a lot of people away from lo- local high school games. But it was okay because they were getting paid money from ESPN. Yeah, that's where ESPN gets to be the big whores in the uh, <laughs> on the block when they do stuff like that. I you know stick tradition. I'm big on tradition. Stick to it, and I like what you said. JV Thursday, high school Friday, college Saturday, professional Sunday, and Monday night. I just got a couple more stats. Sure. Uh, I looked at this site. D1 players average per year. Texas three eighty three. Georgia two forty three. Ohio 130, New York State 20. Yeah, New York State's one of the uh, lowest as far as putting kids into a D1 program. And uh, total miles traveled for this trip will be 5,730. If traveling to Odessa by car, have a good 26-hour ride. (laughs) And you know what? I think around here is we don't have big time. I mean, we got UB, but it's not like an Ohio kid. I want to go to Ohio State. Pennsylvania kid, I got you know. At least not yet. I think it's the lack of passion with the big time football, and kids just they don't see it. I mean, they're not running home on Saturday to watch a football game. It's not you know. Western New Yorkers like to say, "Oh, this is a football town." It really isn't. Uh, you know, there is some support for high school. There's little support for college. You know, you be if the opponent's right, they'll get uh, they'll put some bodies in the stands. But if it's a nobody coming here, they're really not. Uh, you I'm going to be interested to see what the UB uh, enthusiasm is this year uh, without uh, a local boy playing quarterback. Yeah, you're right. That's a good point. Even though they still have local products on there, but again, you know, that's up to the community to step up and support these. You know, uh, UB, Buff State, ECC. You know, go out to go out to the college, the high school games, and support that. If you're not, you're really not a football town. I think we're more of a hockey town. It's a game in the north. It's a tradition and a religion in the south. That's a great point and great way of putting it, uh, Dick. Um, looking at uh, you know. Time and going at the after the schedule, and we've talked about the pluses and minuses in there. And Joe, you brought up a great point before uh, we walked in here, and that is surviving health wise when you're going up against uh, those type of opponents. Hopefully, time is able to stay healthy and nobody gets injured. Plus, time doesn't have a lot of kids on their roster. I think they have 28. When you look at the teams that they're playing, they have 50, 70. Buford told me they dress 75 to 85 guys. You know, Are you kidding me? How many guys do you think Permian dresses? Probably one through 99. Half the town. <laughs> <laughs> the people in the stands at these games down there are going to say, gee, I hope the game they don't uh, delay the start of the game. Half of the time and team's not even here yet. Oh, but yes, on the they other, are. Yeah, but on the other hand, if Timon brings it, is able to pull an upset, all the wonderful publicity that's going to generate, not only for Timon, but for Western New York football. That would be the biggest... Right. thing for their program it would be unbelievable again that would draw people you know kids want to play for a winner they're you know they're 
Somebody wins the Super Bowl next week, that's their favorite team, and they got the jacket. Oh, I've been working for the Seahawks all my life. Okay, sir. Yeah, we're with you winner, Ty. <laughs> they got to find a punter, though. Charlie refuses to punt. That's a whole nother show. That's a whole other topic for another yeah. show. All right, guys, let's take a break. When we come back, we want to continue to look at Monsignor Martin and uh, start sizing it up. And let's take a look at that time and team and see who they have on the roster. We'll be back with more Inside High School Sports. We're back. You're listening to Inside High School Sports. Tony Caligiuri, Marquel Slaughter, Roger Weiss, Joe Marguccio, and Dick Gallagher. We're previewing the upcoming season. We're starting with Monsignor Martin. Before the break, we got into talking about uh, Bishop Timon's schedule coming up with the three big uh, road games. Joe, you had uh, some more info uh, before we uh, break down Timon's roster. Yeah, it was the Buford team. Uh, since 2000, they've played in 14 state championships and won 10. <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> Yeah, that's not a program. In each of those other uh, four years that they didn't win the following year, the coach was on probation. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> Boosters were after him. Get rid of them. They've won last three, and then they won last seven the last eight. They're, they're a machine. Unbelievable. Who do they think they are, sweet home? I mean, my goodness. <laughs> Let's talk about this time in team, Dick. What, uh, what are they going to look like? Well, I think that they're going to be very competitive. Again, when you take into consideration those three games that we had already mentioned, they come back and then they'll play Carlo Harris, and St. Joe's and get into the Monsignor Martin Association schedule. But they have four really key players, I think. Matt Myers, a junior quarterback. I think he accounted for 2,500 yards and 30 touchdowns last year. Joe Harrison, stud on both sides of the ball, led the team in tackles and also had 989 yards rushing. And then he's got two uh, linemen that, that are really uh, outstanding, and Max Caulfield and Jared Pulaski. They're both 6'3", 6'4", 250, 270. So they'll have some good men on the line. They'll also have good skilled players. The issue to me is going to be the depth that we talked about before and to make sure that they come out of that game as healthy as possible. Now their quarterback, if he was healthy all last year, he could have been a Connolly Cup finalist. I'm not saying he would have won it. I mean, with Tyree Brown. Right. Yeah. but That kind of a player. Yeah. So you're looking because in time when uh, Timon was playing Canisius, it was when Matt had to be hospitalized for an illness and missed, you know, a few days in school, and I think he was in the hospital two or three days, and it t- t- he never played the last few games like he did the first four or five games. And Joe's yeah. right; if he would have played consistently as he did the first four or five, he would have been a finalist. So you like time, and time is going to be uh, competitive within uh, Monsignor Martin. Yeah, and I think also when you play for Charlie and you have that South Buffalo mentality as far as, you know, hold no prisoners. Yep. But basically, it's like they'll come at you. It doesn't make a difference if they're 5'8", 180, or if they're 6'5", 300. When you play time and at the end of that game, you know you've been in the game. You better have your chin, your chin strap uh, buckled. Amen. All well, right, let's, let's, they'll play in the parking lot. Yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> No pads. <laughs> <laughs> My kind of football. All right, let's get into uh, St. Joe's. Again, we're talking about uh, new coaching staff, but what is he going to have to work with? Well, I think a key player for the next few years for the Marauders and uh, Derek Landry, the new coach, is Casey Kelly, Chad Kelly's brother. He played as a freshman last year for the JV at St. Joe's for about five games, and he think he broke his ankle. But he was outstanding. He's got an arm. He's not as quick as Chad, 
but he's a good leader. He's also a good athlete, played lacrosse. One of the better lacrosse players for St. Joe's. Does he have the size like Chad? He's got. He's about six three now, one hundred ninety. He's he's going to be bigger than Chad. I you know I I think. So when you take that, you can build a program just around Casey, just that, you know that he stays healthy. And then you look at Lewis Cerise, uh Jr., who's an outstanding kicker, but also outstanding linebacker, leather team in tackles. Nasir Jackson, Nick Kelsch, and uh, Freddie Nixon should uh, anchor the line. They've got some size. I think they could be under the radar screen because last year I think they only won a couple of games. But uh, they'll be they'll be much more competitive this year. They usually come up with a running back that'll just explode onto the scene and uh, really take get people's attention. Yeah, just just like Darren did at the uh, All Star Classic. You know, he, he, they had a tough season. They only won two games, but he was the MVP offensively for. Uh, the North, and he scored a couple of touchdowns, and all of a sudden it's like, where was this kid during the season? Well, sometimes it's injury. Sometimes you just don't have the talent on the line to get the yardage you need. Let's talk about a team that's usually uh, at the top, and at least has been lately, and that's Canisius. They've been on a roll for four or five years, and Cole Berniston is a kid who's about 6'3", 200 pounds. He's a stud running back, and the major colleges are looking at him now. Halfway through the season last year, he was a man among boys. Didn't make a difference if he was going to the edge, running through tackles. He plowed over you and, out and was faster than a lot of the people in the secondary. He got hurt and was not the same the rest of the season. This year, he's healthy. I wouldn't be surprised if he was going to rush, run for 1,500, 2,000 yards. And uh, I think that uh, you know they would probably be just – allow Cole to get 25 carries a game, and uh, he, he's a star. The other uh, key player is Blake Cobble, who's already committed to Ohio State, the kicker, 6'3", 190, booted the t- record, I think it was. 63? Beat South Park. Against South Park, you know, the first game of the season. But he had problems related last year because they never had the holder, the snapper, and the kicker altogether because of injuries. And this year I looked that he's going to be good. Another key player is Mason Hoos, who transferred from Southwestern to Canisius a couple of years ago. He's outstanding defensive lineman. That's a trip to go from Southwestern? Nice That's trip. a trip. But, uh, you know, when you take a look at it, it's it's paying dividends for Mason. He'll be playing at the collegiate level. Jake Lutz and uh, Jeremy Sitch are just a couple of other players. The linebacker, the quarterback is a question mark. They, I know they've got competition. You've got Jace Johnson, who's quarterback when he was a freshman and sophomore, and it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. But I would not think that Canisius is under the radar screen. No, they're never. They're going to come out, and they're going to be ready to play. But the thing is, is are they going to be one-dimensional? Are they going to be able to get a passing game going to offset the running game? If you're looking at them as strictly a running threat, you're going to load the box and dare them to beat you uh, deep. I think with Rich Robbins and the coaching staff, They'll have multiple offenses that they can use because the talent level that they have coming in. They have a running back that's transferring in from Amherst, Joel Nicholas. His brother Des was a wide receiver for Canisius this year. He's running track at the University of Michigan as a freshman, <laughs> and he's going to be going now from Amherst and Canisius. So that just loads it up with another running back besides Cole. I think they're big enough on the line that they can pound the ball. I, they're they got uh, what you call it, uh, Hoos. He'll play fullback, right? Yeah. yeah. So Bernison's got a guy 
Yeah, it's big when you can just lean on your opponent. It's nice <laughs> and just sit there and pound it down all day. And then by the fourth quarter, the other team is so shot from getting beat up that they can't do anything. It's like the moose, like hoose, blocking from it. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> all right, uh, Canisius' schedule. Any uh, big out of uh, state they, they games? Got a, they have a tough schedule. They're, they're, they're playing Cathedral Prep. They're, they're, they're playing. Uh, they're going to. Toledo. Aquinas, they usually Five. have. They're going to Toledo. They're, 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 they're opening playing, at Toledo. Yeah, they're playing at Toledo. And so when you take the, the, the teams playing in the Monsignor Martin, plus you add all the teams that they're going to be playing that are very competitive, they, they've got a tough schedule, but they've demonstrated in the last five years they can play up to it. And the last year, remember the team from New Jersey came in and was a very, very touted team. You know, a number of Division One prospects, and Canisius upset them. And you never know, but the Crusaders are. We're getting to the point where schools are not wanting to play Canisius. You know, the, the some of the schools in Ohio that normally, yeah, yeah, yeah we want to play a team from Buffalo. And Canisius has been going down there and uh, taking care of business. <laughs> now you've got schools that have canceled contracts, and they don't want to play them anymore. They don't want. They, I mean, it, it, Canisius. Had, uh, couldn't get games from any team in, in Section 5, Rochester. That's why they wound up playing Lockport in the opening game and playing Alden in the fifth game. Now, both of these teams, don't, to me, do not match up against Canisius. But if Canisius doesn't win by 30, 40 points, it's a lose-lose for them. So it's the fact that you're, you hit the nail on the head. Teams that get good in the private sector all of a sudden play teams from Ohio, Pennsylvania, other areas of the country. But if they get good... And then they are beating those other teams. They don't get contracts to play them again. No, because they want to be able to route some teams. And, yeah. you know, like Roger said, homecoming games. They're looking at, uh, you know, oh, team from Buffalo, New York. Yeah, we'll just pencil them in as our homecoming. And we'll destroy them, and, you know, everybody will be happy that day. But then Canisius comes in and surprises and upsets the party and party pooper, and everybody's going home sad. Too bad. I remember that New Jersey game. uh was that running back committed to your guys, uh, Ohio State? No, he was committed to Ohio State, and he wound up going to Michigan. Go blue! First play, <laughs> first blue. play of scrimmage, he runs eighty yards for a touchdown. Boom! <laughs> After that, he was so frustrated, they just shut him down the rest of the game. Wow! And then the, the, the you know one other team that you know with the Big Four in the Monsignor Martin St. Francis. Jerry Hickson will be in his fourth year starting. Oh, yeah. He's going to break Joe Licata's career passing record, which I didn't think anyone was going to touch, just based on the fact that for sophomore, junior year, he's passed for over 2,000 yards. And then this year, you've got to expect that he's going to do the same. They also have a running back that transferred in from Sweet Home, uh, Dylan McDuffie. He only rushed for 700 yards for Sweet Home last year and three touchdowns. I wonder if he's related but to that long line of McDuffie. Yes, he is. They, yes, he is. <laughs> they just keep on producing. There's two or three generations. The McDuffie football factory. Yeah, it might be grandchildren of some <laughs> of the older football. McDuffies. But they've got good good defense. They've got 40, 50 on their roster and a couple of good linemen. And Devin Delman is a stud. He's, he's not big, but he goes sideline to sideline, linebacker. And he led the team in tackles last year. And they have a tough schedule, very tough. But uh, that's why when you look at the, the Catholics, if they lose two or three games, they're not going to be the number one in the poll because you don't lose two yeah, well, games. Well, they got a two-and-two two record. The they can't be top ten. Yeah. They're only two-and-two. Two. got 11 teams that are three-and-one. They must be better than those teams. 
No, but, the St. Francis, and the thing is, they will be a team that will be showcased in Western New York this year, Anthony, because they have four home games, and they're all on Saturday night, and it's going to be the only game in town. So mm-hmm. I don't even want to know what it's like trying to find a parking space out there unless I get the St. Francis Drive at least an hour ahead of time. That's that right. new And, you know, first of all, showcasing. Oh, by the way, aren't they uh, not uh, defending uh, Matt Monsignor Martin champions? Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. And showcasing that new facility, which is, you know, and that word's going to spread for the people that go to the games there. That is something else. Uh, uh, September 10th, they play Christian Brothers at home. Saturday CBA, night. Yeah. CBA. CBA. Uh, October 1st, Aquinas. That's always fun. October 15th, Cathedral Prep. Ooh. Yeah, <laughs> you think? Ooh, and baby. then uh, their last Saturday night home game will be the 29th against Timon. And like I say, if Timon isn't... Shattered by attrition and all that, and they still put bodies out there. That ought to be a heck of a game. So that'll draw those four a lot Saturday of nights at uh, Athol Springs this year. Very entertaining. That's a, be there, or be square. St. Francis has their whole whole offensive line coming back. That's huge. Well, talking about huge, they got the junior condo and crafts. No, he he left. He left St. Francis, and he he probably is going to be playing in uh, for Frontier. 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 Okay. But, but it just got Nate's attention. <laughs> Transfer from uh, St. Francis to Perhaps Frontier. What are we talking about? Is he? Is he? Is he got some talent? What do we got? Give me. Give me the lowdown. The other mention is is uh, Canisius hosts St. Francis in Week Four, so that'll be the game which probably could decide at least the regular season title for the Monsignor Martin. Joe, he Nate wants to know what's so special about Craft. Uh, he, well, his father played for the Bills. Yeah, I know the that. Condo. But what, what He's big. He can block. Okay. Oh, that's all that matters. We need some blockers. All right. They yeah. want the blockers there. They're going to get it now at, at Frontier. But uh, St. Yeah. Francis has been doing a great job. Jerry, of course, is a tremendous coach, uh, one of the uh, you know long-tenured coaches in our area. And, and still th- a student of the game. Yeah. They, they don't stop. You know, They do all the camps, the clinics, everything. They don't stop working at St. Francis. That's the thing. No, they, 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 you, if you don't hustle today as a coach, you're not going to be coaching long. And when you take a look at it, 60% of the coaches in Western New York this season will have five years or less as a head coach. 14 coaches changed this season. That's the most ever. Wow. And the, landscape, the high school landscape uh, continues to change. You know, we're just transitioning into a new era, uh, so to speak. And, you know, you got these, some of these guys that have been around for a long time. Now they're retiring. You're getting the new guys come in. You're getting former players coming in, like we was, uh, Eric Rupp at Lancaster and so on. So you're getting that, uh, that transition now and see how the game changes with the emphasis on safety. <clears throat> going with heads-up football, things like that. Uh, it's changing. It's a different uh, atmosphere now. Yeah, and the worst atmosphere is one of the reasons for the changes, and many coaches in many sports in high school here and throughout the country are leaving the sport, even though they love it, is because of the parents. They're out of control. They try to control what's going on in the football field. If they don't, if their kid isn't getting the ball, playing time, etc., regardless of the sport, we've seen it locally here. And what you have, and you ask some, some of the coaches, both men and women, why they left, it's like I've had, I, I can't tolerate it. Well, we, the other thing is today, it's a different tradition, different culture. If you're married, you share everything. 
all the responsibilities and such. It's not like 30 years ago. The coach to coach, and then the the, the uh, spouse mother st- spouse stays at home. Now, when you look at it, you're going and putting all that time in, not for a lot of money, and then you get all the hassle that you do sometimes with the administration, sometimes with the parents, sometimes even with the kids, and then you're going home where you know to have to deal with all the family. So it's like keeping peace in the family. So it, it, there is a different tradition, different culture. But the unfortunate thing is so many parents are so off the chart and thinking their kids are going to be getting Division One scholarships or be the toast of the town that it's hurting youth sports throughout the country. You're absolutely right, and I've told this story many times. I stopped coaching uh, last time was because the parents were getting out of hand. I couldn't deal with it anymore, uh, at least without going uh, totally insane. We posted an article not too long ago on our Facebook page. If you're on Facebook, search for it inside high school sports. We'll add you to the group. But it was about helicopter parents, and you don't want to be that parent, Uh, the one that they are uh, monitoring everything that their kid is doing during practice. Uh, They're constantly in the coach's ear. They're in other parents' ears. They're starting blogs, uh, ripping on the coaches. Mm. You don't want to be that parent. And there's a saying, Players play, let coaches coach, let the referees ref, let the parents cheer. Do not cross any of those lines. If we could do that, it would be a much better place. And the problem is, and I've seen this, you'll have, and there's no disrespect to moms out there, but you'll have mom who doesn't know the game of football, and this happens at the youth level where they say, well, my son played running back for the little guys last year. And they don't understand that at each level going up, you have different skill sets. Now, as they're getting older, uh, you know, your thicker kids, they're going to gravitate to the line. They're going to go. They don't have the speed to play running back. They don't have the arm to play quarterback. You have to understand the coach knows what he's doing. He knows where to put your son. So let him do it. Don't tell the coach what position you think your son belongs to play because more of the coach has more experience. He's been in clinics and things like that. He knows where to target your son. And if your son is not playing a lot, there's a reason. Maybe he's not paying attention in, in practice and doesn't know his assignments. There are safety risks at at, uh, at stake here. You don't want to put a little guy out there and he's going to get creamed by the bigger kids. So the coach has to use some common sense as to where and when he's going to use that player. Not every kid is created equally. My son is not going to be a starter. You know, there's plain and simple. I'm the coach. I could easily make that happen, but I'm not. He doesn't belong doing that yet. Not until he learns to play the game. All right. That's I enough. You. <laughs> that's I, enough. I, I had a parent once at Kinesis, and he's like, my son scored six touchdowns every game in, in Little League. I'm like, your son's 80 pounds. Now you got the 200-pounders here, you know, because the 200-pounders couldn't play Little League, you know? Mm-hmm. So – it's a diff- totally different story when these kids come. You have to be realistic about you know the kid's ability, uh, and I had that when I was. I had a parent chastise me. You're hampering my son's uh, chances at getting a scholarship. Oh, really? Boy. Your son's eight and nine years old. You think Urban Meyer's going to show up at practice and watch? No, it's With not. He was there yesterday. Sure he was, he he was, was there yesterday. yesterday. That's right. No, All right. The other thing is, no, how we, can Raj, these people? We got to take a break. All right. Excuse Sorry. Me. Let's take a break. We'll be back with Roger after this. How bizarre. <laughs> How bizarre that I went into a rant before the break. All right, we're back. One last segment of Inside High School Sports. Matt Collar, 
coming up next, talking Buffalo Bills football. Of course, the Bills play tonight at 7 o'clock, first preseason game. Keep it right here on WGR Sports Radio 550. Yeah, I just wanted to say before the break, you know, what do these parents think, that the coaches don't want to win? That's why they're not playing their son, who should be playing if he was the best? And it's not that winning is the is the ultimate, uh, you know, at least at my level. It's more about them having fun and learning how to play the game safely. All right, that's where we're at. Winning would be nice and it would be neat and, you know, and fun and all that stuff. But that's not where our head's at. But, again, it's not the coaches are trying to play the less than number one players and all that. Just what you said. Yeah, yeah you have and to what, understand. What, where, I don't understand the mindset and where these people are coming from it no, makes I don't absolutely either. no sense all right we have uh o'hara and st mary's and lancaster to look both at. with new head coaches angelo siander you know coach for 30 years he retired last year at cardinal o'hara brought in an old-time hawk shaquille dudley who play also played at ub and he'll do a good job he's got a couple of studs cliff ziegler and uh, william willis they'll be three-year starters and i think it's mcjohn dudley who actually I think is in the in the Dudley family, and Stephen Boyd, so they'll be key players. But they play through th- tough schedule, and uh, they, I think they play three of the top four in in, in uh, st- uh, the Big Four in Mount Senior Martin Association, and then St. Mary's. <clears throat> Nick Tordaro was there for a year. He left. Chris Dixon, who was at know, Lancaster, was at Lancaster. He's now the, the new head coach. And they've uh, gone through a little turmoil there. But they've got uh, some decent players, Duquan Hunt, Derek Johnson, Matt Suzeki, and, and uh, Jake Fay. But it'll be interesting to see one of the games that Joe mentioned that they'll be playing with Hutz Tech. With Nick Tadaro, who Nick left. Tadaro. Right. I was going to say, well, I just saw That's going to be a battle, name. you know? I saw him. Matter of fact, it was your preview on uh, Channel 2's website that I uh, saw that. So great job, Dick. And then Cardinal O'Hara, it seems like they've had a 10-year run going to play down at Steubenville, you know? Every year they go to Steubenville. Yeah, and and the bottom line is is that yeah, they deserve a lot of credit. I mean, they're getting some money because Steubenville's paying something for them to come down there, but for a long period of time, they weren't competitive, but they'd still be there, you know, trying. And Angelo was a good coach. He coached at three, four different schools over the years, the athletic director. So now we'll see how Shaquille does with the Hawks and how Chris Dixon will do for the Lancers. Now is Nichols still an independent, so they're not playing uh, in the Monsignor Martin, but they'll do no, play they, some of the schools? they play no. a couple of the schools twice. They can't get any games with Class C teams, Class D schools. Colin Brinson is no longer the head coach. Bob Mullen, who used to be at Maryville years ago, is now the head coach at Nichols. Colin is assisting, and they've got uh, – I think it's Colin's son, Paul Brinson, who's a senior, outstanding linebacker, running back. But uh, their schedule is not that hard. But when you take a look at, they are returning eight and seven players on both sides on, on offense and defense. They'll be you know more competitive this year. Last year they didn't win a game. Now you normally like to see Nichols playing O'Hara and and St. Mary's. Those are good fit yeah. uh, for each other. At least doesn't I think. happen. Politics, politics gets in the way. That's the other thing. We talked about the parents. The politics is a whole nother show. Dick, thank you so much. Next week we will return. We'll get into the small schools, start sizing up. New coaches there, as you said. Record uh, amount of coaches uh, changing this year. So we'll find out more about that. The small schools, who's going to do what. So we'll have you in next week. The week after we'll get into the large schools and the schedule. So 
We're into it, baby. His football season. Joe, Roger, Marquell. Congratulations Nate to Emily Reagan. She's a gold medalist. Outstanding. Woohoo! All right, we'll talk to you guys next week with more Inside High School Sports. All right, man. Thanks, Dick. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.